Hello and a very warm welcome to Up the Arts, Stuck Indoors with me, Thomas McGill. Gosh, it feels like ages since I last checked in with you guys. I hope you're all staying safe and staying indoors and of course listening to the only LGBT arts and culture podcast on the scene. I have a great programme for you today. I think uh, I can guarantee after listening to this that you'll be reaching for the box set button on the BBC iPlayer. My guest is Healy Llewellyn. Healy was named a BAFTA Breakthrough Brit in 2019, recipient of the BAFTA New Comedy Writing Award and is a BFI flair mentee. She's also, of course, behind the BBC's latest series, In My Skin, described as a gritty coming-of-age autobiographical story about a young Welsh girl, not called Kayleigh, but called Bethan, who's had to deal with some unimaginable things in her young life as she navigates her way through all sorts of issues, mental illness, poverty, uh, friendships, and, of course, her own sexuality. Kayleigh, Thank you very much for taking the time. It's a pleasure to chat to you today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm sort of busier than I've ever been during the lockdown, actually. Indeed, indeed. And I described it as autobiographical and I wavered on that because I I just wondered when you're listening in the background how it feels for you to have your life described as gritty and coming of age. I'm very comfortable with it, really. Um, I've sort of had... I, I wrote the pilot back in 2018. Um, I started right at the beginning of 2018. I started writing the pilot. So I've had a few years to get used to the concept of this all happening. So I feel okay with it. But there was, I was on um, iPlayer the other day going to watch the show with some friends. And uh, I saw that they described the show as something like, ridiculous gritty and edgy and the word ridiculous I was like I think they mean that it's ridiculous in a funny way but that was a bit weird seeing <laughs> my life summed up as ridiculous um but yeah on the on the whole I, I sort of feel quite comfortable with it well I wonder if we can go back a little uh, you grew up in Wales in a home that I think we can call challenging and I just wonder do you remember a time growing up when it wasn't like that when it wasn't challenging I, I can yeah um well my dad was in prison sometimes and that was great <laughs> um <laughs> if he wasn't around things were far easier um he also went through a spell of uh, he was a rag and bone man was his trade but he would also occasionally um decorate houses and he got a job for a few months decorating houses in London and that was also great he was he was away for a few months at a time and then you know my mum, as we go into in the show, suffers with bipolar um, type one. So, you know, she would quite frequently have to be sectioned. She'd she'd be very ill. But then outside of the times when she was hospitalised, she was, you know, back at work and functioning and worked really hard to be a, a good mother for us. Um, and I remember feeling very loved by her and she worked really hard so that we could do nice things so that I could like go to my stagecoach class I remember her driving me and my sister to the beach a lot of times so we could spend the day at the beach together and I have lots of happy memories of things like that but I I will say they 
are all times when my dad was not around. You focus on Beth Ann's relationship with her mother, played by by Joe Hartley, and it's so touching. Of course, it's it's hard at times to watch the relationship whenever Katrina is at her her darkest moments. But I just wonder why you felt it was so important to focus on that relationship so much, and also show the warts and all. I wanted to unpack and explore this mess of emotions that can um, I think often come up if you are the child of someone who's mentally ill or or ill in some other way Um, and so it's this weird complicated time when that relationship with my mum she's the person I loved most in the world is I think most kids would say that about their mother even if it's complicated it's Mm. at that point it's the deepest love you've known Um, but at the same time because of uh her mental health issues, she also became the person I was most ashamed of in the world. And so at once I'm holding these two two things, I love you more than anything. And if something happened to you, I don't think I could survive. But also I don't want people to know about you. The shame brings with it this um, double life that Bethan leads, which, which I think brings with it some humour as well. As a teenager, the imagination to come up with some some of those excuses um some of them are some of them were me taking flights of fancy now as a grown-up thinking god how can I play with this but um yeah I used to sort of tell various lies there's one when I was in primary school uh I guess I wasn't (laughs) super smart yet because I thought this is sort of a, a normal thing to do that no one would question but I all the other kids dads worked in offices and they wore suits um and whereas my dad as I said was a rag and bone man and he, I never saw him in a suit other than if he was like going to be going to court um so to try and make them all think that I had a dad like them not that anyone had even asked but I used my pocket money and I went to Peacock's which is shop we have in Wales I don't know if it's anywhere else but kind of like a very low-end sort of cheap clothing store and I bought a tie and then I put the tie in my school bag and the next day at school pretended like, oh, God, my dad's so silly. He must have left his tie in my school bag. What is he like? He's probably at the office without his tie. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like, who cares? Who asked? No, no one asked you. Um, but yes, I used to do lots of things like that. Wow, the lengths you went to. That is quite, quite impressive. <laughs> And today, then, you, you've written something that is so desperately honest. I mean, there's literally nothing, um, no barrier to, to the piece and to the, to the whole series. Um, and I, I was reading that you were, you were at one point concerned that you'd exposed yourself in your family too much. You'd given too much of yourself to this. Do you still feel like that? On a personal level, no. As much as I... I had a lot of hand wringing and sleepless nights worrying about it because it, it, you know, it's hard to make yourself vulnerable in that way. But since the show came out, the outpouring of love for it has just been so overwhelming. And I've been contacted by so many people who either suffer with mental health issues themselves or they grew up with a parent who did. Um, and they've, you know, sent me the most amazing notes to to say thank you for this, that I I lived like that and I thought I was the only one and now I don't feel so alone. But on the other hand, I also have to acknowledge the fact that as a writer, 
I'm not only telling my story. I've I've made the choice to tell the story for all my family too, and, and you know they they might not have signed up for it, given the chance. So mm. I feel great responsibility um, on their behalf. That said, they they my sister and my mum have both loved the show and are really proud of it. I think in terms of the school as in as in the teachers at school i i'm trying to get across in the show that um despite some bullying and you know uh the old fat dyke slur and things like that that get thrown around a lot by the other kids i had a, a, quite a few teachers who were actually amazing and school was a real haven for me i loved going there i had a lot of fun and uh i had quite a few teachers who just really encouraged me and they didn't necessarily know what was going on at home but um I, I was I loved drama and we'd sort of put on a play and a musical every year and the drama teachers at my high school were so dedicated and being able to sort of like walk through those doors into the theatre and and smell all those smells of the stage just was utter joy to me and utter escapism and those teachers I'm, I'm still friends with some of them today um and I want to try and get that across in the show that there's a couple of teachers, like even the PE teacher who is annoying and <laughs> is always on Bethan's back. She cares about her and she's watching out for her and she sort of tries to help her come out of the closet. Well, amongst, of course, what was going on at home, you were also dealing with your own sexuality and dealing with coming out. And I just wonder, again, in, in the series, it is, of course, discussed and, and, and evident, but it's not a huge part of it. And I just wonder, is that true to life or how big a part did did wanting to um, come out play in, in, in growing up? I almost think that for, for the character of Bethan, she's 16 here, the element of coming out is, I think, probably a series two story. Um, I wanted to hone in on a time which I went through, and I think a lot of lesbians probably go through. I don't know if it's slightly different for gay men, but for lesbian women, because as teenage girls, you have such intense relationships anyway, that they're almost like platonic loves where... Um, you spend all your time together and when you are together you're sort of physically entwined you're very intimate with one another you're like constantly lying on top of each other or sharing a bed or playing with each other's hair and you speak to each other before you fall asleep and as soon as you wake up and if you argue with one another it's the end of the world so because lots of girls have relationships like that when they're teens I think I certainly had this where I didn't quite know that I was a lesbian yet because all the other straight girls were doing the same kind of thing and we're meeting Bethan at a time where she is starting to think in her head, oh, am I a bit different? Like, I I don't just want to have a sleepover. I also, like, want to maybe kiss her. And, oh, it makes me feel really sick when she talks about a guy that she fancies. I wonder if the other girls feel a bit sick when they when they hear that, or is it just me? Um, so it's, it's, it's a dawning realisation of her sexuality that it's almost like the end of the sixth sense that now as a grown-up I can look back and utterly with utter clarity pinpoint all the moments where I can go lesbian 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 <laughs> you what's your sense of uh, gay and particularly lesbian representation in tv for me there doesn't seem to be a huge number of positive gay characters in 
TV programs. I know you're working on a film and another couple of things at the moment. Is that because you, you sense a lack of them as well? Yeah, there's hardly anything. Um, I still look back at shows. Like when I was young, there was a show like Sugar Rush, if you ever saw that, had a um, lesbian character in it. Yes. And of course, there's the L word. Really, there's not been much else. We've had this sort of last year we've had two shows with bisexual protagonists in um feel good which is an amazing show and then there was the the bisexual by desiree akavan that was out last year so weirdly i think there's now more bi visibility than there is lesbian visibility um not weirdly there there should be bi visibility just as much on Uh tv but it almost feels like the lesbian uh, visibility never came just sort of that that hasn't happened yet so I'm personally really keen to to help try and change that. Um, I think as as an audience, we're sort of starving for it. You know, when you get thrown the odd little tidbit, you're like, oh my God, they look like me. I love that. I've seen someone yes. who acts like I act, uh, which is why I think probably the LGBTQ plus audience is so loyal because we're so starved that when we get a little bit, we're like, I will be so good and true and a loyal fan to you. So, um, yeah, I really want to change that, if only because I want to watch stuff like that. I just wonder, you know, if you ever look back and think, uh, what would that little 16-year-old Beth um, Kayleigh think sitting in a, an English class that you now would be in the uh, the writer's room of one of the biggest programmes on the box at the minute? I'm talking, of course, about Killing Eve. And, and you describe your break a few years before Killing Eve um, as bloody lucky. And I just wonder why is that? Because you're clearly, obviously, very talented in your own right. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, 16-year-old Kayleigh might have been a little bit surprised, but then would have immediately gone, yeah, no, I know. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> that makes perfect sense but, from meeting um, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a bit of chutzpah. But um, in terms of Bloody Lucky, I think it was Bloody Lucky because I used to pay lip service to wanting to be a writer. So I sort of um, would say to everyone, oh, yeah, I'm going to be um, a writer who writes sitcoms and then I'm also going to star in them. So I get to be a writer and an actor. And then just because I was like hung over and I'd recently been dumped by my six girlfriend of six years who had also been cheating on me. And I was just feeling really shit. And I saw this, um, Chris Addison, the actor and writer had tweeted about this BAFTA Rockcliffe competition and was like, budding comedy writers, click here. You've got five days for the deadline. So me and my best friend Matt Barry I I called him up and said should we do this I've got a bit of an idea I literally wrote it on the back of an envelope and then we won and it feels lucky just because I mean we've written a show about old people it never got made in the end and then you know I was suddenly being from having never written before I was a paid writer with a commission for BBC One which meant I could get a really good agent because of that um and then, so it was just a really like blessed way into the industry. And it, it basically got harder from there on in. Have you started writing the second series then? Has that been commissioned? I haven't started writing it yet. I know where it ends, which I think is a good place to start if you know your ending, because then you can mm-hmm. work back from there. And so, yeah, I, I know the shape of the series, but uh, we're in talks with the BBC at the moment. But for the time being, I'm, I'm writing on Killing Eve series four and then... Um, writing a different BBC One drama called Chloe, which is uh, 
created by an amazing young director called Alice Seabright, who just directed Sex Education. Um, so I'm writing an episode of that as well. So that's keeping me pretty busy until we, we have more news about in my skin. And is the process radically different at the moment with coronavirus? Are you all being pulled up at home? Yeah, we basically, I live on Zoom now. I, I, I Zoom for about 10 hours a day. So doing virtual writer's rooms, which are, they're not, they're okay, actually. We're getting by. It's definitely a slower process. So it's slightly more time consuming. But, you know, you can, you can get it done. It is possible. We're, we're still, we're churning out a lot of, uh, a lot of work every day in my skin it's on bbc one and bbc one wheels on wednesday nights i believe at ten forty-five. but the entire series is on the bbc iplayer now so i would encourage anyone to get stuck in and um, yeah you're doing nothing else watch it and enjoy yeah come on what else have you got on Kayleigh Llewellyn there being very open and honest about her life and of course why she decided to turn it into um, a BBC hit, which I'm sure it's going to be in my skin on the BBC iPlayer. Go and watch it. That's it from uh, me for another programme. You can keep up to date with all LGBT arts and culture updates on Twitter. My account is Up The Art Show. And of course, if you have any ideas for programmes or would like to just drop me an email and let me know what you think about our latest show, you can do so by emailing me upthearthshow at outlook.com. Until next time, stay safe and stay home. <laughs>